All right, good evening and welcome, everyone. It's the Independence Gang. I'm your host, JV, along with co-host Britt Griffith. Tonight, we have good friend JR with us, and uh, we have an invisible KJ at the moment. Uh, KJ originally scheduled to be on the program. He may be a little bit late. Well, he's obviously going to be a little bit late because he's not here, but that doesn't mean we don't have plenty to talk about. Britt, before we do that, we need people to subscribe and share. We need a lot of that to happen. Yes. That'd be amazing. That'd be so much fun and amazingness. It would make me very happy. I wouldn't be so angry on the show. Would you go to half glass, half full a little more often if we had some of that? Or is that asking too Probably. much? If we can get to if we can get to a thousand, I'll be very glasses half full. Oh wow. That would be a nice. That would be really nice. Hello yeah, to, hello to everybody in the chat. We've got some new names and new faces there. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, we do appreciate that, but we would ask that you do subscribe to the channel, plus share it with your friends on all your social media and uh, share the program and the channel, uh, whatever you can do to help us get the word out about the program. We'd appreciate it. Having said that, we've had some tremendous growth given the hurdles we've faced. And we thank everybody who's taken the opportunity to uh, support us in any way they have. The The podcast version of the show, Britt, is doing really, really well. And we haven't really spent any time either talking about it or promoting it, other than we just put it up there for people who can't catch the live version of the show. Right, yeah. And I, th and I believe the, the, the podcast, like, triples the numbers we see on the video side. So that's yeah. cool. I'll take that yeah. all day long. Yeah, and I know there are a lot of people that just enjoy throwing a podcast on when they're either they're driving or they're at work. You know, like you do that. I know you listen to a lot of podcasts as you're working. Um, that's a great way to enjoy the yep. program. So we certainly encourage that. We're going to start tonight's program with uh, what's becoming an all-too-common theme coming from the president of the United States, and that's his inability to speak. Joe Biden addressed <laughs> the nation this morning after the jobs number came out, and we'll get to that in a second. But I went through that, I don't know, it was probably a 10-minute uh, series of remarks that he made, and I just took out some highlights, if you will, of Biden trying to get through this 10 minutes of talking and trying to sound like he knew what he was saying. And, and just check this out. Some critics said that we didn't need the American Rescue, the American rescue Plan. And we proposed, uh, and uh, what we propose is, is, is going to work. We're going to get to 70 percent. But anyway, and, the, and the, uh, to state uh, the obvious, we have work to do. It's already working. Eight weeks later, we passed, it was after it was passed. And by the way, the majority of the jobs that have come back have been in the entertainment and in, in, in the in, in, in those industries. And in, in the uh, and so you know we're going to help schools and children. Last month there were 266,000 more Americans with dignity that comes for the job. There are over 400,000 schools and daycare centers with lead pipes that the, where the, the water goes through. We have some serious decisions to make. Let's build an economy that delivers dignity. Uh, the, the lead pipes, uh, the, uh, the uh, JR, where the water goes through. Um, you know, again, we don't do this to make fun of Joe Biden because it's really sad more than anything else. And as the uh, reporter from, what was it, Sky News in Australia said on our program, well, he didn't say it on our program. We had a clip of him saying it on our program on Wednesday. It's near elder abuse, JR. The man... I mean, he has moments where he seems pretty cognate or co cogent, I guess is the word, uh, but it's not it's not consistent. And when he gives a talk like that, 
as the minutes tick along, his eyes get glassy and they get a little more out of focus. He almost looks a little cross-eyed. It looks as though he's he just can't focus for that long. Yeah, the uh, I mean, as we sit here, we certainly don't know what really is going on other than what we're watching with our eyes. And we certainly watched it leading up to the election as well. And his campaign was every other day. So I guess we shouldn't be too surprised when he has to be on the stage you know, literally 24 seven, he should be, but certainly every day with public appearances and some days are certainly better than others. I mean, when he gave his speech, you know, Congress, not horrific by any means, he certainly had his moments of stumbling, Yeah. but when he does what you just showed, I mean, I'm not even sure what he was talking about. You know, I mean, he's, it's almost like he has bullet points and they, they, he says them and they don't go together. And, uh, it's, you know, the, the gravity of the situation is he's the president of the United States, leader of the free world, mm -hmm. and everybody is seeing it. I mean, I, I don't know how he can get away with, you know, with being this uh, incoherent at times and have our enemies take us seriously and our friends take us seriously. Yeah, both are at risk right now. And in fact, again, those clips we took from the Australian news reporter on Wednesday night's program illustrated that Australia is concerned, much of the free world is concerned, and our adversaries are taking note. Britt, in this same series of remarks, before I get to the story about the actual jobs report, Biden set up his comments this way. When we came in, we inherited a year of profound economic crisis and mismanagement on the virus. Here we are in May of 2021, it's it's clearly understood and completely accepted that we have this vaccine, which is really the cause of the decline in, in infections of COVID, uh, is attributed to, to the work Donald Trump did before he left office. But Joe Biden still can't stop blaming Trump. He has to throw in a year of mismanagement on the why can't he just move forward? Why does he have to continually reach back and blame the prior administration for everything? Well, you do remember that uh, Obama blamed Bush for all eight years. As a matter of fact, I think Obama still blames Bush for problems. So it's just what they do when they have nothing they can hang their hat of failure on. Uh, Trump was by no means perfect at anything. But damn, he knew how to get an economy going because right before the pandemic hit, we were <clears throat> we were humming along. We were doing great. And, uh, you know, then the pandemic hit and some things had to be done. And, you know, I, you know, did Trump handle it perfectly? No. But did he do a pretty damn good job on some things like Operation Warp Speed, getting this vaccine along? What He absolutely did. And I'm sorry, but if it wasn't for the three years of Trump's gutting the regulations, we would not be where we're at today with the jobs, what little we have. But. I mean, that's what got us through that. I mean, could you imagine if we rolled from Obama to Clinton into the pandemic and then coming out of the pandemic? Oh, my God. We would be, well, we'd be China by now. Yeah, it was the strength of the economy of the of the Trump years before the pandemic hit that allowed us to weather it as well as we did. And I know that a lot of people are saying, you know, there's a lot of suffering going on. And of course, that is true. However, it could have been far worse. And the rebound could have been and, and would continue to be far slower and more painful uh, if the Trump economy wasn't wasn't what it was prior to the pandemic. And in addition to that, we are going to be faced, even if these bills as currently presented by the Biden administration are gutted and changed and revised, there is going to be something 
coming from the Biden administration that's going to throw a lot of those regulations back into place, a lot of those hurdles and those high taxes, and it's going to put a throttle and a damper on all of this uh, economic growth that we could be having, again, as a result of the strength of the Trump economy. I want to go to uh, another point here. The conference that he called today was in reaction to the report that the economy fell far short of expectations in adding jobs in April. In fact, they were expecting about a million jobs to be added in the month of April. Instead, they got a quarter of that, 266,000, and the unemployment rate actually rose to 6.1%. They had expected, when I say they, I mean economists, had expected the unemployment rate to drop to 5.8%. That didn't happen. Um, according to some analysts, this is this may be one of the most disappointing job reports of all time. JR, I hate to live and die by a single month's reports because given where the economy started the year and all the, all the uh, uh, pandemic-related shutdowns, layoffs, all that stuff, there was really only one way we could go, and that was up. That was improvement. So I hate to judge it by a single month, but if... If Biden is going to take credit by a single month, he's going to have to take blame for a single month as well, especially after spending one point nine trillion, uh, you know, in this first quarter of 2021. Yeah, well, it it, uh, it certainly was surprising. I, I saw that. And and as is often the case, uh, you know, subsequent months, things get revised backwards. But uh, that's a big mess. And also today came out where. You know, certainly all across the country, um, help wanted signs are up. And uh, a couple of states actually are foregoing the federal uh, incentives for unemployment because their employers across the board in all sectors cannot hire people. So when you're expecting jobs to come back online, uh, but with a higher unemployment benefits still existing and continuing, I guess in some ways, maybe you shouldn't be surprised that employment hasn't increased because people are getting paid to stay home. And certainly a couple states, I think it was Montana and South Carolina, are actually uh, foregoing these incentives and actually giving an incentive to their employees to go back to work. Uh, in other words, the 300 extra a week that they could get, they're saying, no, we're not gonna take it. And in fact, we'll give $1,200 to um, employees if you go back to work, which was the incentive. You know, extended uh, unemployment certainly was, and by and large, welcome and warranted during the depths of the, of the you know, virus. But we're on the upswing. You know, some states are pretty darn open and, uh, you know what, to continue these incentives to stay home just doesn't make as much sense anymore. Picking up on that point, Britt, uh, Biden was asked specifically about that very topic. He was asked by a reporter when his remarks were done, a reporter shouted out, well, I'll play it here and you can hear the whole thing. President, do you believe enhanced unemployment benefits had any effect on diminishing a return to work in some categories? No, nothing measurable. So Biden says there, there's nothing measurable. He is saying that the fact that enhanced unemployment benefits basically pay people more than they would get if they were actually in their jobs have nothing to do with the fact that we aren't seeing people return to their jobs. And then you have the Chamber of Commerce saying this. 
We they're asking for an ending of the three hundred dollar federal unemployment benefits after the disappointing jobs report because they say that the disappointing jobs report makes it clear that paying people not to work is dampening what would be a stronger jobs market. That's according to the head of the uh, Chamber of Commerce. For many months during the pandemic, this is important to, to remember. During the pandemic, Democrats and Republicans debated the appropriate amount of unemployment aid that should be given. Now, if you look back in time, this is a New York Times report when you know, this is still under the Trump administration. The Republicans were skewered for embracing a cut in the unemployment payments. And they did that specifically. If you go into the body of this article, it says many Republicans oppose the supplemental jobless aid, arguing it's a disincentive to returning to work because it exceeds what some workers can earn in their regular wages. And in fact, if we take this a step further, we have video, a video inter interview from Lindsey Graham talking about this very thing. Under this proposal that they agreed to last night, on unemployment, you would be making $24.07 an hour in South Carolina. There are a lot of jobs in South Carolina that do not pay $24.07. This bill pays you more not to work than if you were working. Very few people are going to turn down a 24-hour dollar deal not to work. The work for 15. You're literally incentivizing taking people out of the workforce to my Democratic colleagues. I have been one of your strongest supporters for upping unemployment insurance. But I never in my wildest dream believed that we would incentivize people to stop working, to take unemployment, by increasing unemployment wages to $24 an hour. You want to destroy what's left of the economy? Pass it the way it's written. If you want to help people, give them their wages, but don't pay them more not to work. This is another perfect example, Britt, of Republicans standing on principle and understanding the realities whether in this case it's the workforce, but in other cases it's something else. But the reality here is that if, as Lindsey Graham points out, if you're going to pay someone twenty four dollars and ninety whatever seven cents an hour to stay home versus their job at fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen dollars an hour, why would they why would they go back to work? They're making more money for staying at home, and the Republicans fought this before the COVID bill was passed. They ended up losing because they lost in the war of public opinion. But this is how it happens every time. Well, yeah, just because we as right of center people gave up the culture. We don't control the media, the entertainment, the educational system. We don't we don't control the newspapers for the most part. We don't control. So the the, the, the left of center, I don't I, I'm trying to get away from Republican Democrat, but the left of center people, they own it and they ran with it. So they get to put their message out and. And, uh, you know, the, the country's going to grind to a halt and then people are going to be crying. And I mean, this is all theater anyways. The politicians have been doing been doing this to us for the last hundred. I mean, well, probably since the beginning of politicians. Hell, Franklin owned a, a newspaper in each big city back in the day so that he could smear his opponents. And this is all a scam. Uh, to, in my book, they, this is the, the what we're living through right now is what they want. They get up and they talk about how it's not what they wanted, but this is what they wanted. They wanted us to be dependent on them, dependent on government that keeps them in power. So here we are. And yeah, the Republicans fought it, but we still, I mean, how many people voted for it? How many Republicans voted for it? In the Senate? It wasn't like 
15 or 16. And, no, and I, the I re most recent go around, none of them did. It was the COVID. Well, the but the original one. The original one is once the government gives the people something, we're yeah. not taking it back. But, it never happened. But the, the debate we just saw with, with Lindsey Graham talking about this was the negotiation for the one that never passed because Nancy Pelosi wouldn't do anything with it in the House of Representatives. So right. after okay. the first round, the Republicans said we can't continue to give these expanded benefits because it will ultimately lead to people not going back to work. And I, you know, I don't disagree with there your point. With your point about, you know, the, the, the system and, and, you know, again, institutional politicians that whatever, it's all a game, a theater. However, the point here is that these guys, at least some of them, called this out back then. And this happens time and time again. This happens when we have environmental regulations that are proposed and the Republicans say, you can't do this. It's going to drive businesses to China and the Democrats do it anyway. And what happens, Britt? The shit leaves. They go to China. They go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, they go. I, I literally just had a Twitter fight, not a, a text fight with a liberal friend over this uh, because a report came out that China, for the first time ever, is now polluting more than all Western countries combined. They're 27%. America's like 11%. But he was like, well, you know, America's number two. And I was like, yeah, we're 11. China's 27. Right. India's nine. We're, we're in the zone. And I go, and by the way, we're the ones driving everything out with the overregulations, and then not tariffing their stuff coming back in, so that we're on a level. You know, it's a whole thing. We, sh it's a whole set, it's a whole show or segment we should do on it. But we've done this to ourselves by by us, the people, going to sleep and not paying attention to the politicians that are in D.C. We have some good ones there, uh, and on both sides. I mean, honest. I mean, even though I don't agree with liberals, even though I don't agree with liberals, but they honestly believe what they're doing. They're trying to do what they feel is good, and then we have the the honest ones on the right side that are they're doing what they feel is honestly good but we have a huge chunk in the middle both democrat and republican that are part of the lifelong slytherin establishment that is literally just there to enrich themselves and keep their power because that's what politicians do they uh it was uh i want to say it was marjorie taylor green i was watching on an interview that she literally said that when she got to washington she was surprised at how dumb how dumb a lot of these people are in Washington, and they just do what their leadership tells them. But they are legitimately dumb people that failed in business. They're lawyers, they're doctors, they're executives that failed in business. So they got into politics, and then they get elected because they can talk smooth. But they are dumb people, and they cannot follow. They, they they cannot think critically to where if I do this, that will happen, then that will happen, then that will. They they're just dumb people following what their leaders are telling them to do, so that they can keep their grifts going, keep their two homes in Washington D.C. and their three homes back home. And have their girlfriends on the side or boyfriends on the side because that happens too. A handful of the female uh, representatives have boyfriends on the side. Women do it too, just like men. So I'm waiting for you to hit the tree. I know. I'm, the, the about, I'm about to. I'm I, waiting for I, it. See, I have this. I have this new rule, Britt, which I, I was not. I'm not going to be the one to trigger it. I was going to wait for chat to do it, but they're not doing their job because clearly this it's needs fine. a train. Oh, Yes, it does. It needs a train. Um, I think we have uh, uh, Jeff joining the program in a minute here instead of KJ because KJ is still tied up with his his uh, whatever he had going on that overlapped with this. So Jeff will be joining us in a minute. Listen, you know, this is part of the problem that we have when we – I have to be really careful about how I say this. And, and JR, I may let you say it so I don't get in trouble. Um, 
<laughs> but we have good luck when we in, when we when we make it so easy for people to fill out ballots and mail them in without in taking any kind of investment in the voting process, you end up with some of this stuff because most people who aren't willing to invest anything in the process, i.e. getting up off the couch, going to the polling place and pulling the proverbial lever, those people don't really have any awareness of the candidates or the, the issues. And they tend to just vote Maybe it's a party line vote. Maybe it's whoever they happen to see stroll through in their neighborhood last. I'm not even sure, but it's certainly not necessarily an informed vote. Someone uh, suggested we take the party affiliations right off the uh, ballot and only have names up there. And that would be very interesting to see uh, how people would vote if they didn't basically have that guide to basically, they don't know anybody there, so they just follow the D or follow the R, you would actually have to get re-engaged again. And, you know, it certainly was our civic duty to vote. That's how I was brought up. I mean, rarely have I ever missed a vote, even for minor votes. And you just feel like it's your civic responsibility to be informed and to know what you're talking about. But, uh, you know, I don't know how you can complain if you don't at least make the effort uh, to vote and and thus that then gives you reason to uh you know to complain or to uh voice your opinion on things but uh the lack of an honest press and the lack of engagement in many people allows us to just get what we otherwise and deserve so i agree it's it's a multifaceted topic on you know why we are where we are but uh um until we get re-engaged again and get more people re-engaged like this program is is trying to uh, encourage um we're gonna get what we should expect yeah uh hey jeff welcome to the show glad to have you joining us tonight thanks for stepping in for kj uh Britt, i know you've got some stuff that you want to talk about why don't you take this one here and uh jeff is ready to go so um, this is a bit of an old story that's been just been grinding in the news. A little here, a little there is coming out. But, you know, the, Zuckerberg, he, he put all that money into the Georgia election, the, the workers' infrastructure. Uh, we remember that, right, JV? Do you remember that when that all went down? Yes. Okay. So, so this is grinding along, and, and I found some new stuff out. So Zuckerberg's million-dollar investment in the 2020 presidential election process uh, – they may continue. It was only supposed to be because of the pandemic. The whole thing, the whole reason why he was bribing the the uh, the judges system uh, and the voting system was because of the pandemic. They needed extra help. Uh, $6.3 million in private grants from the Zuckerberg uh, Foundation, the CTCL, uh, during the 2020 pandemic. Um, and then that rolls into this uh, little slide. They got hundreds of millions of dollars from Zuckerberg and his wife was spread around the country. Most people don't realize that it was more than just Georgia. Uh, the annual budget for uh, was to, they are wanting to permanently double, double what the, uh, what the uh, election board, the election offices of each state would get with private money. So my question to you, Jeff, is knowing that Zuckerberg put all this money into the election system and they basically targeted democratic areas to make sure that they had multiple drop boxes, um, etc. It was supposed to be for education. It turned out for being for hardware and personnel. But now they're telling these these head of, uh, I forget their title exactly, but the head of elections in each state, they're telling them, we're going to give you enough money that will literally double 
your annual budget and you can have that every year. Is that not some weird form of bribery going on? Because there's no guarantee for it. There's no, it's, it's, it's no strings attached. It's just, here's the money. Do what we want you to do, but we can't put it in writing and you get double the money. Yeah, it's it's that's definitely a sort of bribery because if they expect that every you know every year or during every election, that's an incentive for. I mean, and we and we know where it's all going down. It's in metropolitan Atlanta. That's where all the votes are going for for the for the blue guys. So yeah, I mean Zuckerberg's going to throw that money at them every every year or every election period. That's definitely going to that's going to sway that sway it their way. Right. So so Jr. So I'm going to come to you, Jr. So you run a large business. We don't need to say what, but you deal with employees and cash register drawers and whatnot. So I, I noticed when I when I went deep into this into this article, they were there was an audit done, and the Fulton County said its application and plan for the grant money that it was was to spend was two hundred nine thousand seven hundred thirteen for voter education and mail in ballots, but in the report of, for its extension. Uh, it spent no money on that category and it separately claimed that it spent $58,000 as opposed to $209,000, $58,000 on education. But then also similar, similarly, the memo shows that the county requested $6.3 million from Zuckerberg. It only spent 500 and, uh, let's see, uh, funded organization through 2020. It spent 5.4 million, sorry, please bear with me. Spent 5.4 million, leaving a gap of 889 thousand dollars unspent. So when an employee is counting their drawer and there's the numbers don't match up, what does that normally mean to you, Jr.? I mean, they're missing a million dollars. It's unaccounted for. I, I don't know. Is it unaccounted for, or is it there to be spent for subsequent elections? I guess I'm unclear on on that part of it, but. What I, what I do remember, I mean, Zuckerberg certainly didn't spend all of his money in Georgia. He did this throughout the country. And I remember specifically, because yeah. I'm in New York, how in Pennsylvania, just to our south, they, they said, okay, we'll give you whatever it was. I read this months ago, but X, but if you won't use our employees and our offices that we set up for yep. voting, you don't get the money. So yeah, it just or you have to give the, the time, money back. Seemed, yeah, 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 whatever. But it just seemed to me at the time this is another huge company, huge business. I mean, it's through its foundation, so it has to have the uh, you know at least plausibility that it's for you know the public good and education and whatnot. But the reality of it was he he did things that basically controlled the election process in different states. And, uh, you know, not surprisingly, many of them were swing states. So, and, and they were well overweighted towards uh, the Democratic side. Um, so, it, again, it just, we got to look at our election process. And I would hope that everyone would agree, if we can't have confidence in our election process, then we don't have an election process. And as exactly the United good. States of America, I would certainly hope that would be a priority for everyone. Right, exactly. So, JV, so I'm going to uh, pick up on something that JR uh, rolled into was the, the, the clawback clause that was in this contract that literally they gave these, these, these county election boards the money and they were kind of told what to do with it. And if they didn't do it exactly how they wanted, they could claw it back and pull it back out of their accounts, so to speak. That 
on top of the drawers not matching up, you know, there's there's weird, funny, different numbers going on to the tune of almost a million dollars, eight hundred ninety something thousand. I mean, that to me is a huge red flag. I mean, what does that say to you that a big private company like Facebook can do that? And is it happening anywhere else? Is Coca Cola doing this? Is Google doing this somewhere that we just don't know about? I don't have I don't have a lot of insight into this. What I do know is that uh, Zuckerberg and through his foundation in uh, put money into some very key boards of election, and that money clearly influenced how they operated and what they did. And it was in very important states in this presidential election. I also know that Zuckerberg, through his con company, Facebook, influenced the election. In fact, if you were to do an honest audit of that type of uh, activity, you would have to look at it as in-kind contributions to a political campaign, and it would be probably total in the billions of dollars, the, the, yeah. the value of what Facebook did for the Democrats in the last election cycle. And then you add Twitter to that. They did the same damn thing to the tune of billions of dollars that it's soft money. You can't really tally it up easily, but it's there and it's an in-kind contribution. We have states that are trying to address that. I think uh, Florida, the Florida legislation, and maybe Jeff can speak about this, that was just signed. I think they talk about this outside money can't come into boards of elections and help boards of election. I think Texas is doing the same thing. I'm not sure if that was part of Georgia's legislation or not, but this is on their radar and it's one of the things that needs to be addressed. And I'm not talking about the soft money through Facebook and Twitter. I'm talking about the money that came in from the foundation, hard cash that came into these boards of elections to influence the way they operate. You know, there is so much going on with this. And the thing that's most frustrating to me all the way around is that they keep the media and the Democrats keep circulating this idea of the big lie. And I always go back to the fact that I don't care where you are on the scale. You could say there was zero fraud or you could say it was complete fraud. The truth is somewhere in between. Because we know at the very least that actions were taken by chief executives and states to uh, alter the election rules and regulations, and that's unconstitutional. We know that as fact. That alone is a manipulation of the elections. So that alone dispels this whole big lie idea. So there's a lot of work to be done. I'm really, really yeah. glad that Georgia weathered the storm here, Britt. And, and despite all the heat they took in the beginning, they said, you know what, this is, this is, there's nothing, this law does nothing to restrict voting, voting or voting rights. This just protects the integrity of our election process. Texas followed suit. Florida followed suit. Other states are going to follow suit because it's the right thing. And it's as Jr. pointed out, if we don't have secure elections that we can all walk away from having confidence in, we have completely lost our republic. Completely. Yep. Completely. We've lost it. We kept it for 250 something years, apparently. Uh, so I have, I have three quick hits. Uh, uh, so I'm going to start. I'm going to go back to, uh, to uh, Jeff. So um, you know how the Dems, they're always wanting to pass higher taxes and they want to take our money and they want us to pay taxes. Well, this little article just came out from the Washington Free Beacon. There is a group of House Democrats that own D.C. Uh, home that owe D.C. thousands of dollars in unpaid property taxes. So apparently the Democrats, uh, a handful of them, have decided not to pay taxes, but they expect us to pay taxes. But within that, I noticed that one of the DC, one of the Democrats, they have they have a home in a home in their home state, and then they have two homes in D.C. 
and he owes like $9,000 in back taxes on that for one year. But my question to you, Jeff, is if they expect us to pay taxes, don't they need to pay their taxes? And since they're in Congress and they're the ones that pass these laws, are the ones that are supposed to know these laws, they should be hit doubly hard with the penalties? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, they should be paying their taxes like like we do and everybody else does. But, you know, they they seem to be able to just do whatever they want these days. And they'll, they'll come up with some kind of rule to say, oh, we don't have to pay taxes due to the fact that we're a senator or congressman and we have multiple homes. So we need to have a loophole so that we don't have to complete complete our taxes each season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they should definitely be getting and they should be somebody who needs to go after them. But who, how do you go after somebody that you're the one that's in charge? Right, exactly. There is a two-tier justice system. Absolutely. Uh, so going over to you, JR, with some more money stuff. So we were just talking about the job market and the fact that people are staying home. But that is actually kind of geared more towards the lower end of the economic earners, the, the more manual labor type, the more. But I did read an article that at the higher end, they're having a hard time getting those jobs coming back online. And I'm wondering, I mean, the financial regulations are moving very fast. They are really coming in hot uh, for this climate change thing with regulations. The, the, the three biggest banks are trying to figure out how to, the Federal Reserve basically, which are banks, um, for those that don't know, uh, they're trying to push this climate change via their financial regulations. And you know, we're, we're kind of watching companies flee our country again. Is this part of the reason that they are look? They, they basically put their finger in the air um, to see which way the wind's blowing, and it's not blowing good for companies because of the regulations that are coming down the line. Well, if you remember what uh, Trump did, um, you know, day one, he basically said, "For any new regulation, we're going to eliminate." I forget what if it was two or three. I mean, he saw right away that if we were going to bring jobs and companies and repatriate money back into the United States, and we had to have a level playing field. We couldn't have the highest corporate taxes in the world, which is what we had. That's what he inherited. So, you know, regulations, I'm not gonna sit here and say that all regulations are bad because we can't have the Wild West either, but but you can't be the worst like we were when Trump came into office. We, can't, we were the worst in the world. And, you know, that was a big, uh, one of his big platforms uh, economically was to repatriate these uh, foreign dollars that uh, were basically being held overseas so they didn't come into it. And he was going to give them, uh, you know, free passes to basically, if they could do that in X amount of time, then guess what? Uh, that would encourage, again, incent what you want, uh, a novel concept, right? So if you want to increase regulations that are punitive in any nature, then guess what? It's gonna be counterproductive. If you wanted to grow jobs, then you better look at any regulation that you're doing that's gonna create more difficulty in, uh, in doing that and have a really good reason to do that. And I'm not convinced that that's the case, but uh, you know, it's amazing the major themes that they want to pass. Uh, everything is related to climate change. Everything right. was related to COVID. You know, they're finding ways to incorporate anything into their agenda. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's been a crazy environment, a crazy year. Um, it's a religion. But uh, <laughs> it, it is. So, I, I mean, just, just in general, I mean, re more regulations are certainly in general not going to be conducive to bringing our, our jobs back at any level, and that includes the uh, the higher paying jobs as well. Right, exactly. So JV, to you, 
I have some glasses half full news that makes me happy. So yeah, so you might want to pay attention. I always pay so, attention. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so do I. Um, but so as I was scrolling the face or the Twitter feeds and whatnot, I ran across the the America First uh, meeting that they're having in Florida with with Gates and Green, and um, they sold out and they have a huge overflow uh, thing. So basically, people are still excited about this America First Trump type politics, and here they are. They're here. They're showing up. There's also video of the room. Now, granted, it's not a it's not an arena like Trump sells out, but you know, there are probably a few thousand people inside probably. And then all these people lined up around uh, around the uh, outside uh, trying to get in, going to the overflow area. So this is a good sign that there's still that fire in the belly to come out. These people are coming out. Now, there is another video of some Joe Biden protesters that showed up to, you know, boo to Trump and America first thing. There's probably 19 of them compared to how many people were here, which was a lot more. But uh, I'm happy about this. And this is that one we were talking about going to. I think now maybe we should have gone. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I want to go back to what you what you were first talking about here when you were talking about the Congress members that aren't paying taxes on properties in Washington, D.C. Do you remember 1994, uh, the contract with America, Newt Gingrich yes. led a basically a conservative revolution that took back the House of Representatives and made Newt Gingrich the Speaker of the House. They balanced the budget. They cut taxes. They created welfare reform. They had, I think the items on the contract with America, I think there were like 36 things. And they got them all, almost all of them done, or at least a good share of them. And they really changed the way things operated in Washington. Even with a Democrat president, they were able to get a lot of this done in Bill Clinton. But one of the things that triggered that, do you remember the post office scandal where members oh, of yeah. Congress were abusing the post office? The post office became the, the congressional post office became basically a bank for Congress members. They would write bad checks, get cash and never have to face up to it, never have to deal with the consequences. There were abuses like that throughout Washington. And this, to me, this whole tax thing sounds like they're creeping back in. I don't think they ever completely went away, but I think I think some of them were addressed in 1994. And um, I think it's just like these earmarks that are coming back. Some of these things were actually made public and they had to deal with them. Well, I think under the cover of darkness, some of the, these things are returning. I also want to talk about the agenda. JR referenced it. They're using climate change to replace COVID and racism because the only way they can get these extreme policies passed, the only way they can get any kind of support for any of these things is to create crises. And the only real crisis, well, there are more than one, but one of the real crises that's in existence right now, which they won't call a crisis, is what's happening to this nation on our southern border. You have floods of people coming through. We don't know who they are. We have cartel activity. They're making billions of dollars because the Biden administration won't put its big boy pants on and admit that the Trump policies were working and go back to them. So you've got cartels making millions and billions of dollars. You've got kids in jeopardy. You've got people flooding into this country that we can't absorb right now. We are still recovering from an economic crisis in the form of these pandemic shutdowns. But the Biden administration does not care. So fast forward to what you just showed us. Of course, there's a contingent of people who, who are supporting the America First agenda because their government isn't anymore.
So they're looking for people who will stand up for them, just like I'm sure many of you saw the school board meeting in Utah where the parents said, damn it, we want to speak. The school board shut them down and said our public comment period is over. They didn't let the parents speak. They were there to speak against masks. And, but they allowed a, a state senator to speak, and they allowed the union teacher union president to speak, but they didn't allow the parents to speak. So the, the parents took, them, took it into their own hands and said, we're going to speak, and they started chanting. And now the cops are talking about pressing charges against the parents who wanted to be heard. This, this country has taken a hell of a turn in three months, four months, five months, whatever it's been. And people are already starting to get sick of it. And I don't know what's going to happen with Matt Gates because I don't really understand what the status of that investigation into him is. If it's all smoke and mirrors or if there's something there, I don't know. However, um, he is he's one of the good guys when it comes to this agenda. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is another one. And there are a few of these people that are going to start standing out. And as we get rid of the Liz Cheney's of the world... We're going to have more of them in positions of power. So it doesn't surprise me, Britt. And I think more people have to start supporting this and you will it'll be more vocal. I mean, we have three years and seven months before the before another president takes over. So uh, we've got a we've got a while. But in 2022, we can start controlling the agenda again. And I cannot wait for that. Um, do you want to take it from here? Or do you want yeah, me to keep I want to. Yeah, I want to talk about yeah. uh, I want to talk about this um, for for. Months and longer, a better part of a year. In fact, as we get to Memorial Day this this year, it'll be a year since the George Floyd killing and this racism issue has been a, a wedge that the Democrats have used to drive between Americans. Uh, then we then when that's kind of ran its course, not that it's completely run its course, but then they turned to the Asian community and said Asian hate crimes are. I don't understand it, but they, they were talking about Asian hate crimes being, you know, is increasing in frequency and in, 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 I don't know what I'm trying to say, around the country, I guess. Well, there was an Asian hate crime in Baltimore over the weekend, and I have some video of this crime, and uh, let's take a look at it. i got to find it here, because if you notice, there aren't a lot of people talking about all of these things, and I think... I think there's some disingenuity going on. I mean, where did I put this cut? Sorry about that. Disingenuity? What word yeah, is, is that? I don't know. Is that a word, JR? Disingenuity? <laughs> oh, here he is. talking about the crazy train engine there for a minute. Here's the headline. Uh, two Asian women were attacked with a cinder block in Baltimore. And here's here's the video of this uh, this atrocious attack. As you can see in the surveillance video, the suspect armed with a cinder block entered the store and attacked them. They fought him off, but not before getting injured. Police have charged Daryl Doyle with aggravated assault. It makes you think, you know, it's time to get a gun permit, you know, gotta be safe. Okay, so that was a report from a local television station covering this event. A couple things occurred to me if you caught it in that video. There's a customer in the store who just walks out of the store as these yeah. two women are being what attacked. What a loser. I mean, who does that? Is this the America we live in now where two women are being attacked by some guy and, and a guy just kind of looks at it and sneaks out, doesn't try to help or call the police or anything, just walks away? That's the first thing. The second thing is, Jay, uh, Jeff, I'm going to ask you, when you see the video, I think it's pretty clear why this didn't make headlines. It didn't fit the narrative. The suspect was an African-American, was not a white supremacist, so it doesn't fit the narrative, so therefore it doesn't get any attention. 
Yeah, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. I know it's it, we can't be we can't be racist against racist. I mean, they're going to say, well, both the Asian and then there's the black and the you know that, that attacked them. Both of those are the ones that they're saying that we're are uh, white people are against. So yeah, it's not going to fit their narrative. They're just going to shrug it off. They're going to show it on TV for a day or so. And it'll just go away, sweep it under the carpet. I mean, and it was horrible too. That was terrible. What that fucking guy was doing. I couldn't believe that. Like, what the hell is this problem, anyways? Yeah, he, he was hitting those 60-year-old Asian women with a cinder block. Both of them, they, they're actually able to fend off this attacker. He was ultimately arrested. They went to the hospital. They're both going to be fine. Uh, but they were seriously injured, uh, JR. This type of attack and the fact that a, a, a bystander doesn't do anything to help, I feel like so many of the problems that we face all boil down to the lack of respect in our culture. We have lost the humility and the respect that used to be uniquely American. And it just seems like we've thrown it all, the, thrown it all away, at least a good chunk of it. Well, I, I think, look what happens to uh, police officers. Look what, you know, people don't want to get engaged. I mean, that guy's probably thinking, uh, if I do the wrong thing, I'm going to get arrested. Um, it, it's it's not surprising to me in our current state of affairs that uh, people are going to stay to the shadows and uh, and not do what we used to do not that long ago. I mean, you and I, if we saw that, we would dive in at a heartbeat and try to try to you know save the day. I mean, it would be instinctive, and now it's more instinctive to not do it and 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 to. You know, just further the comment about uh, why this is, um, you know, why this didn't make national news. Think about the event down in Atlanta, where the the guy attacked the uh, the uh, massage parlor and, and murdered a couple of Asian women. But when they found out that it really wasn't a hate crime, yeah. it really had to do with a sex addiction, it disappeared. Yep. You know. So again, as as Jeff said, it's got to fit the narrative uh, to make the news. So, you know, it's a sign of the times, I'm afraid. Britt, it that particular crime disappeared, but the but the justification didn't. They kept saying all along that it was white supremacist attack white supremacists attack on Asian uh women in this case, when it was clear from every shred of evidence that this was a sex addiction attack. We're talking about the Atlanta attacks, but, but the truth doesn't matter. They just, they had the narrative they wanted and they ran with it and they'll just keep repeating it. True or not. Well, um, number one, uh, focus polling and, uh, studying of the data that comes in at the money that media makes white people killing black people makes the media the most money. Um, it scares the bejesus out of the leftist soy boys in the suburbs and the rich, liberal, guilty white women in the suburbs to think about whites killing blacks, and it scares them. So they, they click on the links, which makes the media money. They donate to the proper causes, which makes you know the media money somehow. It's all connected. Uh, but uh, a black man in the inner city beating up on an Asian man in the inner city, or women in this case in the inner city, doesn't scare them. So they don't really click on the articles. It doesn't make them a lot of money. So so why go down that road and waste the time? Just keep pushing white people killing black people. And if you can get a white person killing a gay black person, 
man, you got double the money made there. <laughs> because and, and it's actually true if you can tie it all together. I mean, they studied this stuff. This is what makes them money. That's why they're pushing this. Trump is gone. Newsrooms are getting gutted because of lack of money. They're trying. They're doing whatever they can to keep us afraid. Because fear and rage drive clicks. And as soon as you understand that, as soon as you can see through that, you get it. Um, these Asian stuff has been going on since about 2010. Well, it started upticking about 2010. It happened way back when, when Rodney King went down with the liquor stores uh, in L.A. and because they're all owned by the Koreans. And uh, the black, there was a huge inner feud going on back then. 2010, I read a book on it. 2010, it started ticking up. The last couple of years, it's gotten bad. The last six months has gotten really bad. There was just that stabbing uh, that just happened this morning. A uh, black guy walked up to two Asian ladies in their 60s and stabbed them right on the sidewalk and then kept on walking. Um, so... Obviously, the one that happened in front of that hotel where the security guards just watched and walked away. But also think about that, JV. What happened to the McCloskeys when their neighborhood got invaded by a big-ass mob? They pulled their guns out. They are the ones who were arrested. They are the ones that were charged with felonies. They are the ones that have to spend several, probably probably going to be a $100,000 defense bill for their lawyers to prove their innocence. They are the ones that have to spend it. What happened to, that, uh, to, the, to the guy, I forget his name now, up in Oregon? He pulled out a gun, defended uh shot a couple people that were bad guys robbing someone he's the one that went to jail the bad guys are out charges dropped but he's the one he's still in jail to this day so depending on what city you're in you gotta be really careful what you do and where that asian attack happened what was that was that like new york or baltimore or something like that it was baltimore you know? the other thing i wanted to mention about this and then you can take it Britt, with what you've got next here is that the woman at the end of that clip says that we have to i guess gonna have to get a gun permit gonna have to uh going to have to protect mm -hmm. ourselves. That's the phenomenon happening around America. Now, this is a this is a black woman in Baltimore. I'm pretty sure Baltimore has some pretty strict gun laws. But here you have a woman recognizing I'm going to have to start carrying a gun because I can't I don't feel safe. Exactly. And and that's why we have the 2A. I mean, that's why we have the Second Amendment. It's not to go hunting, it's not to shoot deer, it's not to shoot dove. It is to protect yourself from harm, foreign and domestic. Period. And if the government can have a tank, I can have a tank. Because back in the day when it was written, people had private warships. People had cannons in private hands. So I don't care what they say, but arm everybody. Screw it. The, the bad guys have the guns. So let me, the law-abiding, let that lady, the law-abiding, go get trained, learn how to shoot the gun, maybe take a test. I'm cool with that. And get your license. I'm cool with that too. But everybody should be able to carry a, a concealed firearm to protect themselves and not be charged by zealous George Soros funded DAs that are all about destroying this country. Um, I'm going to move on to lockdown. So uh, JR, back to this whole jobless thing. So I ran across this study today. It's about, it's about the, the lockdowns and how it costs countless jobs and didn't appear to have saved any lives. So there's a study that's going down, but I want to ask you, JR, since you are the guy that deals with a lot of businesses, um, how, many how many businesses that deal with, with where you work do you think are gone forever. Do you do you think you're, we're going to get them all back, or on a percent? What do you think? How how many are just gone? Well, they're definitely a percentage, and it depends on the uh, you know the sector of the economy. But I think you know from our restaurant owner that I know, I think he said seventeen percent, and that doesn't count new startups that might offset that some. But I think the number maybe a month ago was seventeen percent of the restaurants in the country we're gone. Uh, some of the restaurant suppliers are consolidating 
and getting out of, uh, I know one here in my area is not going to cater to the mom and pop uh, or even uh, uh, somewhat larger restaurants. They're going with institutional and government credits um, and, and accounts. So it's it's a, a total shift in in that uh, you know the restaurant and uh, uh, entertainment sector, um, but but I also know ones manufacturing and whatnot. Uh, they did not make it. You know, I mean, uh, consolidation will continue to occur in many sectors, and we're just not going to have as much uh, business as a function of this. I mean, how many people can actually shut down for a year? Uh, granted, uh, the uh, PPP programs that were offered through the SBA uh, helped and was part of that free money that, again, backdoor, we're going to have to pay for that. But uh, that that did enable many to, to you know, survive. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how many because I don't know what the percentages are. But uh, we lost some longstanding businesses in our area that... Uh, have been key contributors in our local economy, and I'm sure we're just a microcosm all across 50 states. So it, it's gonna have uh, irreversible damage, but uh, you know we have to move forward with what we have, and uh, many did survive, and uh, you know we're tough. We're Americans. Right. Yeah, we are. We will come back somehow, somewhere, it seems like. So this this study that I was reading was done by WalletHub, which is, which is actually a data research company. So they, they kind of, they went, they, they came up with a formula and they went starting in May, 2020 and coming forward, they basically took um, basically how many deaths per million in the hardcore lockdown states versus the, the not so lockdown states and came up with a formula. So like New Jersey recorded 2,656 deaths per 1 million residents. Uh, New York was 2,500 deaths per 1 million residents, but South Dakota was 2,149 deaths per 1 million and South Dakota basically didn't lock down at all. So my question to you, Jeff, is if, if, if looking at the study, so the overall study, the strictest lockdown states averaged 1,423 deaths per million and the not strictly lockdown states averaged 1,449. So only, what is that, like a 20 something person difference? But the lockdown states destroyed their economies. We destroyed our country economically for something that didn't improve anything. How do we reconcile the stupidity of our government and the stupidity of the people that we elect? How do we reconcile that and then continue to fucking vote for them? I have, I have no idea, but just real quick about the gun thing. I just want to say something. Um, yeah, in, I, I believe in Florida, there should be open carry gun. Somebody think twice if they walked up to somebody standing there with a 44 on their side and they could see it because we have concealed carry only. So I'm kind of a, I, I support that as well. However, yeah, I mean, we were really lucky in Florida down here. I mean, I, I, I've talked to, you know, JV and some of our other friends from New York and just the amazing amount of businesses that have gone under to, up there. And we've lost very few, very small percentage. And we're pretty much wide open now. Unless you go to most, most stores uh, that you go into, half the people don't even have masks on. The restaurants, we went camping for four days. I saw two people in four days with, with masks, only two in the restaurants, in the tiki bar, walking around the campsite. So now how we're going to, you know, keep these people in power that created this mess. I mean, they're just going to, I guess the same people are just keep voting these idiots back in every time and just doesn't see what they did wrong. And we know we need to vote them out of office. Yeah. So I'm going to, something Jeff just said, JV, that I'm going to left turn on. So 
here in Southern California, I'm like where you and you are in New York, we're, we're locked down. As a matter of fact, Gavin Newsom just said he is not lifting the mask mandate no matter what the CDC says. But what I have started doing, because I'm in construction, I'm in and out. So the big box stores, the Home Depots, the Lowe's, the CV, CVSs, the Walgreens, you know, they're, they're mandating masks if you go in. But what I have found is that a lot of the mom and pop shops, like the mom and pop uh, Ace Hardware types, because those are all individually owned franchises, they're not enforcing the mask mandate. So I now know where the places are that don't enforce that you can just go in with no mask on and that's where i'm going to shop i have stopped going to home depot unless i absolutely have to and i will drive a couple extra blocks a couple miles to go to an ace hardware where i know they're not enforcing the mask mandate or the mom and pop pharmacy where i know i can go in and get whatever and i don't have to wear a mask i'm doing that have you noticed that in your rural area that that some of the mom and pops are not as strict as like the corporate owned businesses and you can talk about whatever you want because yeah you know i I'm, I'm sure that's the case i i don't have a whole lot of reason to get out and go to stores like you do uh you know i go to my grocery store occasionally the pharmacy and maybe you know if i can i i, I try to go to a restaurant here and there but uh, and they're all pretty well consistent with requiring the masks at this point there's probably some exceptions to that rule. I mean, Jr. would know if we head up to Richfield Springs to a place called the uh, the Genesee Tap Room. They probably don't require that you have a mask up there. Um, but I don't I don't go to places like that, so I'm not sure. However, I love what you said there because that's exactly what we need to do: is vote with our yep. dollars, vote with mm -hmm. our money, vote with our business. Uh, we need to be doing more of that. And I think that's what happened to Coca Cola. You know, for a different reason. Ooh. But same thing. I saw a graph today that showed the differences between Coca-Cola and Pepsi revenue. Pepsi's, Pepsi's skyrocketing. Coca-Cola's tanking. And it's because of yep. the political position they took. And, and God bless all the conservatives who stepped up and said, you know what? Screw you, Coca-Cola. You have no business in our politics. And it worked. It's working. And yeah, it seems to be. It absolutely worked. I see we're down to one minute left. Do you yeah. have anything quick hit or are we going to? You know, let's out. let's let's check on out. Jeff, thank you for joining us uh, so last minute here. We appreciate you stepping in. JR, always great to have you as well. Please, everyone, subscribe to the channel and share it and share the programs with your friends on social media. And again, we always like to say this. If you go to tune into this program some night and we are mysteriously not here, that's because <laughs> we, we got a violation in some fashion. So please look for us in one of these following places. We are on rumble we are on twitch and we have the podcast version of the program go to one of those places and await further instructions await further instructions <laughs> all right <laughs> I love it. uh in the meantime Britt and i will be back sunday night for sunday night leftovers uh right here on on youtube and everywhere everywhere else that we uh we can be seen and heard so thanks for being here with us tonight we love you all and we appreciate your effort and your concern and your passion about these topics everybody have a great night